Welcome to the Rolling Thunder Review. I am your host, Ben Mertens from Welcome to Loud City. Joining me on the other line, Adio Royster from Liberty Ballers. How's it going, man? Hey, Ben. How you doing? I'm great. So we've got the Sixers and the Thunder playing each other on Thursday night. So I want to talk about the Sixers season right off the bat. And they've had probably, I guess, the most turnover on the roster, at least of important players of any team in the league. They, at the start of the season, traded for Jimmy Butler a few weeks into the season. Then right before the trade deadline, made this big move for Tobias Harris, which record-wise, it looks like it's worked. They've been 5-2 and two since acquiring him. Just how has the team adapted to going through so many changes and how have they been able to succeed with those changes? I feel like the easiest way to explain that is that shooters are really easy to incorporate into an <laughs> offense. Because um, all they have to do is keep shooting at their high percentages. Um, Jimmy Butler coming over from Minnesota, one of the big pluses for Jimmy was that he was really good off the catch and shoot. Mm -hmm. And that has still been true this season. There was a little bit of a dust up. I'm sure you're aware with between him and head coach Brown, he wanted more ISO. He wanted more pick and roll. That seems to be getting added into the offense slowly but surely but jimmy's had a really good last two months i mean january alone he was averaging 19 5 and 4 and his plus minus was plus 13.3 so he's had a solid solid two months to start 2019 for the sixers and for harris he's just continued to do what he's good at he's shooting about 37% from three, averaging about 20 points a game since coming over from the Clippers. So that would be the easiest way to explain it. Just throw shooters in there and just say, all right, just put them up. It's good to have. Do what you, just do what you can been doing your, this whole time. Yeah, so you add those two guys in. Of course, you're already starting J.J. Redick, who's one of the best, you know, run around, catch the ball, and immediately just fired at the rim shooters in the league. Were you surprised when they went out and acquired Harris? Because I thought for a lot of us that came out of left field, it seemed like the Butler move was going to be the big move. And then all of a sudden they added another, I would call him an all-star caliber player, even though he didn't end up being an all-star in the West. So it was a little bit of a shock for me because I didn't even know that the Sixers were talking to the Clippers about Tobias Harris. I had no idea. So when it happened, the news the um, the news came out and I was just floored. I said, "Wait, we got Tobias Harris? Seriously? What what did we give up?" I mean, I mean, what could we have given up cuz the cupboard was already pretty bare, and then what they gave up, the 2021 Miami pick, which was very, very popular for, for me, especially because, you know, that could be the year that the NBA moves to allowing 18 or high schoolers into the draft again. But, hey, Tobias Harris, he's young, he's 26, he shoots 40% from three, and he's improved year after year after year. So the fact that they got Tobias Harris for the package they did, I was very impressed, and I was very happy they got that done. He's a great fit for the roster. It is a risk giving up that heat pick, but also the Sixers, I mean, they're ready to win now, which is surprising for how young Ben Simmons is and Embiid's uh, not as young as you might think because he missed those two seasons of injury, but he's still a young guy. So going out and getting Tobias Harris, I mean, certainly pushes them more all in for this season they've got three other great teams in the east to try to get through um and 
even before the Butler trade, even before the Harris trade, my ceiling for this team was always um, Eastern Conference semis and, you know, push it to game six or seven. Mm -hmm. Like, I would not have been too happy if they got bounced in four or five games by Boston again. With Butler and Harris, I'm still not 100% sure they can win the East, and I'll get into that a little bit later on when we start talking about playoffs. If this team makes the Eastern Conference Finals with this team as it's constructed, I would call that a win because I do believe that Milwaukee's better. I do believe Toronto's better. And if you all always have to worry about Boston because they have pretty much owned us for the last two years and the Sixers are one and eight between uh, one and eight against the top three teams in the East so that's just that's just not I'm just not ready to say that the Sixers are in total win now finals or bust kind of thing and so Harrison uh, Butler will both expire this summer. You think getting to the conference finals, you'd be confident that both those guys are coming back if that happens? Uh, it's hard to say with that kind of thing because I think last year with the Thunder and Paul George, people thought the Thunder were going to have to make a deep run to get Paul George to stay, and they ended up getting bounced in the first round he stayed anyways because it turned out that he really liked the culture in Oklahoma City and the teammates and playing with Russell Westbrook. So it's hard to say for sure, but just from an outside taking a guess, do you think getting to the conference finals, those guys are coming back? Confidence-wise, I would put just about anything 50-50 at this point. And okay. I know that's kind of a cop-out, <laughs> but... It's better than lying. At, yeah, true, true, very true. Um, when you talk about Jimmy and Tobias, and, as well as Embiid, who they've already paid, Simmons they're going to have to pay at some point. So then you have Harris and Butler, and, of course, Bird Wright's kind of help. But I've said this numerous times, would I rather have... Jimmy Butler on a max deal and Tobias Harris on like a cat friendly deal or would I rather have one of those two guys the one that fits better to me and have a much better bench mm -hmm. and I kind of lean towards me personally wanting Harris and a better deeper bench yeah I'm not surprised by that actually because this team you have an incredible starting five now, you know, four players who I would call all-star caliber and J.J. Redick, who's not a slouch. But then who behind them um, should, like, you know, other te do other teams really need to worry about? Like, going to this game tomorrow night, who should, like, the casual Thunder fan who might not know the Sixers as well be worried about coming off the bench? Is there anyone? I would say T.J. McConnell because of his energy and what he brings off the bench. He's the, he's the spark plug. He comes in off the bench not only is he the spark plug but he also kind of steadies the second unit mm -hmm. if mike scott who came over from the clippers is also hitting threes the way he needs to be that could also be a threat jonathan simmons hasn't been that impressive to me i'll be totally honest and i just haven't seen enough of james ennis either to say definitively if he weren't health, if he weren't injured, I would have said Boban for sure, but he's going to be out tomorrow night. So Yeah, so with that, both Embiid and Boban are going to be out, so I guess is Scott going to start at center or Jonah Bolden, would you think? I would venture to guess it would be Jonah Bolden getting the start at center and then a mixture of 
Bolden plus Justin Patton, who came over in the Jimmy Butler trade. That's right. Plus maybe running – Brett Brown has been running a lot more small ball lately with either Mike Scott or Ben Simmons at the five and then just shooters around that, which is which is great. But if those guys aren't hitting those shots or if you have someone in Steven Adams who can just house rebounds, then it doesn't work all the way effectively that you would want it to. Yeah, I'm interested to see that because obviously the last, you know, when these teams played in January before Harris came over and they played last year, like Embiid, as he tends to be, has kind of been the centerpiece of the Sixers in those games. So with him being out, you'll see a much different look. That Simmons at the five lineup, I mean, because he's both the point guard and the center in that lineup, which is no other NBA team runs like that. But just just last night, Tuesday night, the Thunder played the Nuggets and Nikola Jokic, who is able to kind of be like a playmaker from the top of the key and shoot threes and just stretch the team out. That gave the Thunder defense a lot of problems. So it's the same thing. If you're not going to have Steven Adams guard Ben Simmons, I want to think, because he's not fast enough. But if Simmons is playing the five, you have to stash Adams somewhere. It really messes up the rotations or in the matchups defensively. Um, So that's one thing the Sixers could do that give the Thunder problems. Obviously, to your point, the way the Thunder can counter that is if Adams just crushes them on, on the rebounds. But especially with Embiid out, I think that's going to be a pretty interesting battle to watch. Um, speaking of Simmons, for the greater part of his you know short NBA career, he had never attempted a three-pointer except those heaves. I saw he finally has started shooting those this week. Do you think that's important, or is that just kind of a, you know, just kind of a, oh, that's cool that he's doing it, but that's not what I care about with Ben Simmons? So I'll answer it with a caveat. I think it's important, but I also think that he shouldn't be forcing the issue. Mm-hmm. If he has a wide-open look, if, for example, the man who's defending him is under the basket, then sure, chuck up a three, see what happens. But as far as, like, doing James Harden, like, crazy dribbles and then just doing a step back, just no, I don't, that's not necessary. Um, I think the Simmons need a ju- needs a jump shot or a three-pointer. I think it's wildly overblown mm-hmm. um, because you're seeing somebody, for example, in Giannis Antetokounmpo, who's not a very consistent three-point shooter. He will take attempts, but he's not even shooting 30%. And Giannis is an MVP cal- caliber candidate right now. So whenever someone says Simmons needs a jump shot to me, I just refer them to Giannis's stats and just say they're almost essentially the same player Mm -hmm. with what they're good at, what they excel at, which is just getting to the rim whenever they want, however they want, and they're both very good passers. They're very elite at those two things. Having a jump shot is just gravy at this point. Yeah, it's interesting. Whenever I see that, because, like, the... The joke that goes around on Twitter is like they'll they'll post this kind of famous screen cap of the the playoffs last year between the Celtics and Sixers and Simmons is holding the ball at the top of the arc and Al Horford who's guarding him is like 12 feet away from him and the catch is like shoot a three you coward and things like that and just whenever I see that the person I think of is Russell Westbrook who is not at all a coward when it comes to shooting the three pointer but that does not help the Thunder at all really um, Russ loves to launch off the catch and actually. He and Simmons are kind of similar as players. Obviously, Simmons is a lot bigger than him, but they're both guys who play the point guard position in a non-traditional way. They're both great rebounders for their size. They're both at their best, you know, in transition. Um, Simmons is a better passer than Russ is. Russ's passes come more from just his athleticism, puts so much pressure on the defense that guys open up. Simmons is much more of those behind the backs, those passes that you might not see right away. 
But just in terms of the shooting the three pointer, whenever I see that, I'm like, you might not want this guy shooting threes because I have a point guard in Oklahoma City who shoots way too many threes and it doesn't help his <laughs> team. Um, the catch and shoot variety, sure. Like Westbrook taking catch and shoot threes are the only threes that um, you like him taking. He's actually shot it well since the All Star break, which until he sustains that for a much longer time, I'm going to chalk up his small sample size. But catch and shoot threes, if the defense sags way off him, you need those. And I agree that that's helpful for Simmons just because when he does play off the ball, if Butler's running the pick and roll or Simmons, or excuse me, Embiid is posting up or now Harris is handling the ball. It helps that you can't just leave him completely wide open for any three, but I don't think launching off the dribble James Harden style uh, is a necessary part of his game. I agree with you there. Um, and the thing, the thing about Westbrook, I've been critical of Russell Westbrook almost his entire career, mm-hmm. mostly because he takes upwards of five, six threes a game, and he shoots less than 30% sometimes. And this year alone, his true shooting percentage is the worst of his career. And when he's chucking up threes with 22 seconds to go in the shot clock, I'm just, it's just face palming and head desking and all of that. Like, Russ, go to the rim. It's whatever I always say is even when those threes go in that he hits or when he takes these pull-up mid-range jumpers that are even worse because they're less valuable, even when he hits them, I'm like, that is a shot where the, the opposing coach and the opposing fans are they're clapping for that shot because you know, if Russ hits it one out of every four times, he's going to miss the other three times, and those are shots where either he didn't go to the rim or it's not Paul George taking a three. It's not a high-quality look. And any shot that makes the opposing team happy is a bad shot. Um, and to your point about shooting, Russ has been – much, much worse at jump shooting this year, even by his standards, and the foul shooting has fallen off. So one thing that I want to keep in watch on tonight is um, since he also break, he has looked better. He's actually hitting, I think, 40% of his three since the also break, which is a three-game sample size. I don't expect to keep up. What I want to see him keep up is him getting to the rim, as we talked about. His burst looks so much better these last few games um, early in the season. For the season as a whole, for... Everyone knows how bad his shooting has been. At the rim, he's been hitting about the same percentage he's always hit, same as he did last year. It's just he's not getting there quite as often, and when he gets fouled going to the rim, his foul shooting has fallen off a cliff this year. Um, But over the last three games, he's looked just more explosive getting to the rim, so I think that helps him up the volume of attempts. So watching in this game with probably Ben Simmons guarding him a lot of the time, he's an excellent defender, but with no Embiid, so less you know rim protection, I'm anxious to see if he's able to fight his way to the rim consistently and get those good looks and not settle for those off-the-bounce off uh, three-pointers that I dislike so much and that you dislike so much. Now, getting to the rim without Embiid, I, granted, it's a, it's a much bigger step down, but Jonah Bolden is actually sneaky underrated when it comes to defending the rim. Interesting. He, um, he does have a pretty decent block rate, and Bolden's problem has always been foul trouble. He averages about two personal fouls a game, but he gets into foul trouble really quickly. He'll pick up three fouls within the snap of a finger. So, yeah, Bolden is the guy that you would ideally want to start because you don't want to just throw Justin Patton in there and say, all right, this is your first game. Uh, defend Steven Adams and keep him right. off the blocks. Just, no, you don't want to do that to the, to the kid right from Jump Street. But that's going to be something to pay attention to is if Bolden is in foul trouble, 
will the Thunder kind of take advantage of the fact that the Sixers have to put Justin Patton in there or they have to go to the small ball lineup a little sooner than they would want to? Makes sense. All right, we will take a quick break for some commercials, and then we'll be right back. Okay, welcome back. We're talking about this upcoming Sixers-Thunder game on Thursday night. So let's get more into the specifics of this game on Thursday night. What, for the Sixers, where do you see the chance for them on when they're on offense to attack the Thunder? What's going to be their big edges in this game? What are they going to look to do? The same thing that I've been saying pretty much all season. Uh, Ben, who's guarding you? Do you have more than four or five inches on that guy? Yes, go to the post and just stay there if (laughs) take people off the dribble move the ball around a lot as well but if you're in the post and for example russell westbrook is guarding you or terrence ferguson is guarding you or dennis schroeder is guarding you Mm -hmm. you have about five inches and maybe 50 60 pounds on him so beat him up on the inside and get to the rim as often as you can you would hope that the sixers shooting comes back jj reddick has had a pretty abysmal last two games he was one for 10 against portland (coughs) on saturday so you kind of hope that he just comes out of that funk uh as far as everything else like it all depends on how aggressive simmons is from the opening tip Mm -hmm. if simmons is aggressive from the first possession then it's going to be a good night for the Sixers because they are at their best when Simmons is just driving the lane and forcing defenses to collapse and Simmons hitting open shooters. Yeah, he gave he and Embiid both gave Oklahoma City a ton of problems uh, in the last matchup in January, which the Thunder were lucky to come out of there with a win when Paul George hit that four-point play um, at the very end of the game to kind of steal a win that they frankly probably didn't deserve. Um, unbelievable. Unbelievable play. Unbelievable, by the way. He's a good... It's fun to have a guy like that on your team. Um, now, to your point, um, defensively for Oklahoma City trying to defend that, Westbrook is a solid enough... He's an incredibly strong guy for his size, but Simmons, to your point, is six inches taller than him and even stronger just because of the, the size mismatch and backing him down low, but it's it's tough for the Thunder to counteract that because you look at a guy like Ben Simmons and you think, oh, we can stick Paul George on that guy, but that screws up the matchups everywhere else because then Westbrook has to chase J.J. Redick around off of screens, which Russ is better, Has this has been one of his better years on defense, chasing a guy like J.J. Redick or a guy like Clay Thompson around like a bunch of screens and around the arc is just something he struggles with. He doesn't get over screens as well as you'd like. Terrence Ferguson does, but if you're if you put Terrence Ferguson on J.J. Redick while Paul George is guarding Ben Simmons, then you're stuck with Westbrook on uh, Jimmy Butler, which is also not a favorable matchup. And that's just the thing that the Sixers, I think, that you have to worry about is any team trying to guard the Sixers is they can hurt you in so many different ways because they have so there's nowhere to really hide anybody in that starting five. Um, there, there kind of is in this game because Bolden's in for Embiid, but even so you're not going to stick Steven Adams on anybody except Bolden, so you're still stuck. Um, somewhere there's going to be an unfavorable matchup, and I agree that 76ers are just going to need to exploit what, at the start of the game, that mismatch is probably going to be Simmons against Westbrook. If Simmons is trying to go off the dribble, like you were saying, I do think Westbrook can do well defending him there, but if he's consistently taking him to the post and especially looking to facilitate from there, that can give the Thunder problems 
Um, and they kind of got lucky in the last matchup against the Sixers where I thought Redick had plenty of good looks in that game, but he only went four of ten. I thought Butler had plenty of good looks. He went one of six, and obviously Harris wasn't in the picture for that game. If those guys are hotter tonight, it's going to become a lot harder for OKC to win. Um, and their defense, the last time these two teams played, OKC was... Their defense has been weird this year. They were an elite unit for like the first two months of the season when their offense wasn't very good. And then as soon as the calendar switched over to January, their defense went from being elite to like average as their offense went, got really good. So I've liked I liked their defensive effort the first couple of games back since the All-Star break against the Nuggets. The Nuggets ripped them apart. Jokic had a great game. They're a great offense, so I'm not holding that against the Thunder completely, but I want to see how they can do against this, this Sixers team that has three tonight really, really uh, excellent players and then a good role cast around them. So And then if uh, if the Thunder want to counter Simmons beating him up in the post and you're looking to either stick Steven Adams on him, mm-hmm. which, like you said, is not the best idea because he's definitely not as quick. Right. Or you would do, I guess, Jeremy Grant, but even then Simmons still has a slight height advantage on him. And, I mean... Jeremy Grant was a decent defender here when he was with the Sixers, mm-hmm. and that's always been one of the better calling cards. He's improved his three-point shot a little bit, too, since he's gotten to Oklahoma City and has been a bit more of a staple in that in their rotations. But if Simmons is pounding the Thunder down low, then that's going to create serious problems because then the Thunder have to switch and counteract everything that the Sixers are doing. Right, and if Grant is switched on to Simmons, then you're probably left with Stevens, uh, excuse me, with Steven Adams guarding Tobias Harris, and Harris is such a good three-point shooter that he's going to pull Adams away from the rim, where Adams is at his best as a... Adams doesn't... He dominates on the offensive glass. On defense, he doesn't rack up a ton of defensive rebounds, but he boxes out really, really well, so that another Thunder player will end up getting the rebound, but Adams created it. If Adams is stuck over in the corner at the top of the arc guarding Tobias Harris and Simmons is down low in the post going against Grant and then, you know, the Sixers get a shot, but it rims out, Grant is not the best rebounder in the world for playing the power forward position. He's a little small um, by the old standards of power forwards. He's not a bad rebounder by any means, but Simmons is going to have a chance to get a lot of offensive boards if Grant is the one guarding him and Adams is nowhere to be seen. So, again, it's just... That early matchup of if, if Russ is able to do a credible job guarding Simmons, that dictates how the game kind of goes. Because if he is, the Thunder are the ones dictating the terms. If Simmons is able to crush him by going down in the post, like you said, either by scoring a lot or getting a lot of assists off of that, then the Thunder have to switch up their matchups, which is what happened in the game against the Nuggets, where the Adams was unable to defend Jokic for the most part, so they put Nerlens Noel on him for a while, and at the end of the game tried Grant on him. Anytime you're doing that, you're reacting to what the other team is doing. You're not setting the terms. So that's definitely an early, in the first quarter, second quarter, you're going to be able to see how this game is going from how that matchup is going, I think. Now, if the Sixers are, if like we're saying, if Simmons is kind of crushing Russ on the post, would that cause Billy Donovan to maybe go with an Adams-Noel lineup? He has, Adams and Noel have not played together for any time this season, the only times they ever put together is like an end of game foul shot situation where you're putting them both in to try to like, if the foul shot is missed to grab the rebound or like if there was a game where the other team had a chance to inbound with like two seconds to go. So they had Noel there just putting his big arms up to guard the inbound passer and Adams guarding whoever the center was. 
No, I, Donovan is a guy who likes to tinker with lineups. I just don't think he would go with that lineup, especially in this matchup, because Simmons has size, but he's he's pretty quick, too. I don't think Noel would be do a super great job um, guarding him. Noel also gets into foul trouble, um, kind of like what you're saying about Bolden. Like, he played a, more than he usually does in this game against the Nuggets on Tuesday, but it was still only about 20 minutes, and he fouled out because he just is that kind of... He's a really springy athletic defender, so he gets these, you know, big, big blocks. You would know this. He used to play yes. for the Sixers. But he gets these he gets these big blocks that look really cool, but then he also fouls a ton. So, no, I don't know. I don't think Adams Noel is the answer they would go with. I guess maybe you might see some more Markeith Morris in that situation because he is a stouter guy than Jeremiah Grant at the four. Um, Patrick Patterson has barely played since they picked up Markeith Morris off the bio market, and maybe they dust him off. But that's one of the Thunder's biggest problems is outside of their starting five and then Dennis Schroeder's the sixth man, they don't have a ton of viable options, particularly among wing defenders. And now Simmons is kind of a positionless basketball player. He's a wing, a guard, and a big all mixed up into one. But I don't think off the bench they're going to really find any great option for guarding him. I think it either has to be Russ or you flip Paul George onto him and then kind of live with Russ defending Jimmy Butler instead, which is still not a great matchup, but that's what the Sixers do to you. Um... And then on the other side of the ball, what are you worried about for the Sixers trying to defend the Thunder? What what problems can you see Oklahoma City giving them, and how can the Sixers kind of try to react to that? So if I'm head coach Brett Brown, then my whole message is, okay, see that guy over there wearing number 13? <laughs> I want somebody on him at all times. If he is left open for any reason... We're calling timeout, and everyone, everyone, literally everyone on the bench is giving me 20 push-ups. you got to do it in 60 seconds. You better hurry up. Let Russ shoot as much as he wants to, but keep Paul George under control. Don't. I'm not saying shut him down completely, but keep him under control. Let Russ... Let Russ, let Russ get his 40 points on 38 shots. Right. Let him do that. That is what you want if you're playing the Thunder. What you don't want is Paul George getting 45 points on, like, 24 shots. Right. That's what you don't want, and him getting to the line. So somebody on Paul George at all times and just let Russ say, hey, um, shoot as much as you want, my friend. Go right ahead. Like, we'll give you all the three-pointers you want. You want some more three-pointers? Here's some more three-pointers. Here you go. And to Russ is credit for the most part this season, he has, this is the first season kind of in his career, and that includes time with Kevin Durant, when Russell Westbrook has been clearly the number two option, not the number one. He actually most years would shoot more or about the same as Durant did, and this year he's clearly let Paul George be the number one option. He's still shooting a lot, and again, having the having a very poor shooting season for the number of attempts he's taken, but he's gone into more of a playmaker mode when he's driving. It's definitely looking for that kickout pass instead of pulling up for jumpers. And he's looking to set up George. Um, the last time these two teams played, Russ did end up taking six three-pointers that I thought the Sixers kind of did a good job of, to your point, goading him into. They, they dared him to shoot. He shot. He missed exactly what the Sixers wanted to happen. But Paul George still ended up busting loose for 31 points on 20 shots. Great night for him. Did well from three at that crazy game winner. Who, I assume, Jimmy Butler would get would be the one guarding him from the jump? Most likely because he's the Sixers' best wing defender. Simmons has been much, much better. 
this season compared to last season, I would actually, if I had a vote, I would probably vote him for at the very least second team All NBA defense. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Butler is still who you want to guard the opposing team's best player. Um, now I, I wanted to ask you something real quick. We're yeah, sure. Russ and we're talking about Paul George. I'm of the mindset that this year, this is Paul George's team. Yes. I don't, would, would you agree or disagree with that? It's in the sense that Paul George is the best player on this team. I would say that. It's still in a weird way kind of always going to be – Russell Westbrook is always going to be the face of – is the face of the Thunder as long as he wants to be, right? He was the guy who stayed after Kevin Durant left. And more to the point, he still has – control over this team because he you know he's leading the NBA in assists. He has the ball in his hands more than Paul George does, but he's using the fact that he's the guy with the ball in his hands most often to look for Paul George and to a lesser extent to look for Jeremiah Grant and Terrence Ferguson and Steven Adams much more so than to look for his own shot. If you look at his his average, he's still taking, you know, 19 attempts a game, which from if it was anyone else, he'd be like, well, that's not a guy who's looking for other people over himself. But by Russell Westbrook's standards, that is definitely looking for his teammates over himself. Um, he's taking 19 shots as opposed to 22. Exactly, yeah. And for the, and he's not leading the team in field goal attempts, which um, is, is the correct decision, especially this year, because he's shooting um, even, you know, he's never been a super efficient guy, but he's shooting far worse than he has in the past. Um, and Paul George is shooting better than he ever has in his career and has taken it to a whole other level. So I don't know whose team it is. I guess technically, you know, it's uh, the ownership group's team, but it's def- Paul George is definitely the best player on this team, and the important part of that is the team, everyone, Westbrook included, plays and game plans like Paul George is the best player on the team. Um, so beyond those guys, I guess you've got Butler, Gar, and George. I know Bolden starting in Bede's place is possibly a mismatch for Adams, but I guess oh, with it's a th- not possibly, it definitely is. <laughs> I guess, but the thing with Adams that is the Thunder will like often run like two or three set plays for him at the start of a game and then kind of forget he exists offensively except when he gets offensive rebounds in terms of shots. They run him a lot as a screener. So I guess I'll be interested to see if like if he's if the screen if their pick and roll game is effective, he's actually able to get Simmons off of Westbrook, and then Westbrook is able to go to the cup and get Bolin into foul trouble, as we discussed. That can be a good look for Oklahoma City, but then that might go into what we talked about at the start of the program about them going to a lineup with Simmons at the five. Would you expect if this is a tight game, that's how the Sixers close? They close with Simmons at the five since Embiid's not playing. I would say they either close with Simmons or Mike Scott at the five. Sure. Because, again, I don't think you throw Justin Patton in there in that kind of situation. Hopefully, Bolden keeps his fouls under control so that he would be the guy in the crunch time five kind of a situation. Mm -hmm. But with Simmons on the floor surrounded with Harris and Butler and Redick and even T.J. McConnell, he's hitting threes. Like, that's that's just a dangerous lineup in the last four minutes of a game if it's close. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm... Actually, and you know, obviously, you would want Embiid playing since he's perhaps. I guess, would you say Embiid is the best player on the team? Is that the consensus within the Sixers? I would definitely, I would definitely say that he is. Uh, the Sixers operate much better, both offensively and defensively, when uh, Embiid is on the floor as opposed to off the floor. the the off, The on off numbers for Embiid are kind of staggering a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Um, you, you would hope 
you would have hoped you would have liked Bo uh, Band to be healthy for this game to at least do something down low, but I, I mean, it's it is what it is, I guess. And the Sixers have been making do. They beat the Pelicans a couple nights ago by one, and it just even though they were up by double digits, there's. My, my head still hurts from all the face palming I was doing in that game. <laughs> so I guess we're about running out of time here. I told you I was only going to keep you for 30 minutes. But so last word, besides all stuff we talked about, is there any other big um, matchup things or strategic things or just a player to look out for in this game between the Sixers and the Thunder on Thursday night? I would say the first substitution, the first rotations, who comes in first? Is it TJ and Jonathan Simmons? Is it TJ and Mike Scott? Whatever the rotations are, like how Brett Brown staggers and counters when it comes to what Oklahoma City is doing, and that's been kind of a criticism on Brett Brown. He just he doesn't he doesn't adapt as quickly as you would like, which is why we always struggle so much against Boston, among other reasons, because you know Al Horford is he's. He's got free room and board inside Joel Embiid's head for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that's the same thing with S- Stephen Adams, kind of. And I say that because when an opposing team has somebody that can guard Embiid one-on-one relatively well, that changes the whole dynamic of the offense because you don't have guys helping and you don't have these open shooters. So that's something that Boston does really well. That's something Oklahoma City has done pretty well in the past. I mean, if Embiid had, like, a crazy night and he was on, then, yeah, you get that double team. But staggering and rotations on Thursday nights always going to be the first thing to look for, who comes in, what, who's playing what positions out of those substitutions, and just seeing how Brett Brown adapts to what the Thunder are doing. Yeah, I definitely think the Sixers, just because of – their size and the fact that they're starting five such great players most of the time makes them always an interesting team. I think Embiid being out is like an interesting additional wrinkle. Obviously, you would rather Embiid be playing. It'd be more interesting to see, but this gives them the chance to experiment with a little stuff, which I'm always curious about, just what would what would this team look like if it was Ben Simmons' team instead of Embiid's. So that's a cool thing to look out for. This should be a really good game. The Thunder and the Sixers always have played good games in the kind of Simmons-Embiid era. Um, we won't get any Westbrook Embiid beef tonight, I don't think, unless Embiid is talking from the bench, which I assume is possible. And, and, that's, and that's what I'm really upset. That's the one thing I'm really upset about. The, the, you know, the the All Star Game, we didn't see this beef continue because mm-hmm. of the because of the All Star trade. Which, come on, stop that. <laughs> and then now Embiid is hurt, and it's like this is prime grade A NBA beef, and I just want to eat it all up. I just want to fry it and just consume it as much as I can. I think if Russ has a not particularly great game, Embiid might still uh, go at him on Instagram, even if he's not even on the court for it. I mean, Embiid was the guy that said last year that, hey, I I wish I could put up 30 shots. That was such a good burn, because that was in (laughs) Philadelphia, and uh, the Thunder won the game, and Westbrook waved goodbye to Embiid, like, go home, and Embiid's like, this is my home. I live here. And then came back and he's like, yeah, Russ is talking trash to me, but he scored 30 points on 31 shots. I wish I got to take 31 shots. I was like, that's a really good comeback against Russell Westbrook. I mean, he doesn't care. Russ had that quote recently. He's blessed with the art of not giving an F, but 
I've always thought Embiid is one of the best uh, best burn guys in the NBA, so it is a shame that he won't be on the court. But it should still be a really good game. Uh, Audio, thank you so much for joining us for this preview. Anytime, Ben. All right, have a good one, man. You too.